In Houston, I'm John Herter. It's Tuesday, the fourth day in May. Great as always to have you along, everybody. In a nutshell, From the Experts is a compressed virtual networking accelerator, helping people across industries connect very quickly in a brief, moderated, interactive show format. It's kind of like a TED Talk with interactive discussion. So what's in it for you? Well, our promise, if all goes well, your curiosity has sparked, new ideas come to light, and you may have helped yourself and someone solve a problem, make that connection, get to the opportunity faster. Networking has never been more important to your business. So folks, help me welcome FTE guest expert, Edar Voldness, CEO of B2B software company, Intrapoint, based out of Washington, DC, where he and his wife reside. Edar spends some of his free time as president of the Norwegian American Chamber of Commerce Mid-Atlantic chapter, and that's where we met each other just over a year ago, right before the pandemic shut us all down. Great guy, interesting company that he's built, so be sure to make some time, connect with him, get to know him. So Edar, on the phone together a few weeks back, comparing notes, current business trends as one does, you started talking to me about what you're calling this pandemic hangover that has, well, at least temporarily changed your client's buying behavior and, of course, the bottom line. Well, that sounded like a challenge relevant for other leaders in the FTE network. So, well, let's get to it. Tell us a little more, Edar. What's going on? Yeah, thanks, John, uh, for inviting me to, uh, to this FTE session today. Um, first of all, um, I have a couple of slides I'd like to share, so, but I would need to have access to that if you could give me that. I think I have you that here. You should be able to. If you hit the three dots in the bottom, it should say share screen. Yeah. Let's see, I think it should be right here. Like so, let's see here, what happens? Okay. Can you guys see me now? See that? Not yet. Let's see. There we go. There we go. Okay. Gotcha. Are you seeing the big screen or the little screen here? Uh, we got you. We got the big. Uh, no, we're seeing the little screen. You need to put it. There she goes. Okay. So, um, just a, a quick, uh, let's see here. Let's see this. Hold on one second. I got the. Yeah, no problem. One second. Technology is uh, always fun. There we go. And then you can put it in presentation mode and you should be good to fly. You guys seeing that now? Yeah, we're just seeing the, I think that's, we're seeing the displays. Yeah. Okay. yeah. There we go. Okay. Now, are you seeing the big screen again? We are. Roll on. Okay. All right. Perfect. Um, so, first of all, uh, uh, the uh, the discussion that uh, that John mentioned is, uh, is something that uh, we've been looking at internally at Interpoint for uh, basically for the last uh, nine to twelve months, essentially. Um, and uh, I've called it the pandemic hangover because uh, it seems like there are some key 
characteristics that are happening in, at least in our marketplace. Um, and there are some questions that we have been asking ourselves, but also uh, uh, trying to look for, for answers uh, elsewhere to see what's going on there. And these are questions like, uh, are you struggling getting people to, uh, to uh, get off the fence, so to speak, and making decisions? Um, how, and how do you speed up that process? How do you make people um, make the decision to go ahead and, and make a buying decision, essentially? And are we able to change the behavior of, uh, of our uh, prospective customers to get them to move more quickly? And I'd love to hear uh, your feedback on that, if you've experienced this in the first place, and if you have, what has worked? Um, so just a little bit of background on, on our company, Intrapoint. Um, so, as you know, downtime is very important uh, in, uh, in any, it can be very, very costly to any business. Um, and we digitize the process and, and services for companies uh, in order to reduce the, uh, the risk and actually avoid risk that they face. Um, and our solutions uh, help organizations to be prepared both, both uh, you know, to, to be ready for, to handle this, but also to execute uh, the, uh, the process of, of resolving an issue and, and, and something that could escalate. And uh, this is something that we, uh, we cover both uh, operational issues, but all the way up to crises and emergencies. And operators of our software, they, uh, they see, they have real-time information available on their dashboards uh, and uh, it gives them sort of control tower view of, uh, of the process throughout the steps that they need to take. And uh, our, our approach uh, really is focused on ensuring that uh, it is, there's a seamless transition from daily operations all the way through handling an unwanted incident or, or even a crisis. Um, so the, um, the, uh, throughout this process, of course, it's really important to collaborate with your, uh, with your uh, fellow employees and even outside stakeholders so that you can meet the moment, so to speak, with confidence. Um, the versatility of, uh, of our solutions uh, has resulted in customers throughout uh, a range of industries, as you can see here in some uh, simple pictures. Uh, but we have customers like Equinor uh, in the energy space, uh, Iceland Air, uh, uh, Italia, for instance, in the, uh, in the airline industry, the city of Oslo's uh, public transportation network uh, is also involved uh, using our software. And um, we're proud that, uh, that Gartner Group uh, continues to recognize Interpoint as a leader in crisis and emergency management. Now, to, to the issue today, uh, the issue at hand here, uh, as I mentioned, we've experienced slower uh, than normal decision-making within our customer base or prospective customers. And um, it seems like purchasing decisions, they linger uh, or are pushed out. They're just uh, being delayed. Uh, I can give you a concrete example of this, uh, something that we have, this is the worst case actually, but uh, still uh, pretty, uh, pretty uh, kind of uniform to uh, what we're experiencing. Uh, so we have, um, uh, we have been pursuing a franchise owner of restaurants in six different European countries, small countries. Um, the, the, art, the restaurants are, uh, you may know them as the golden arches actually. Um, Crisis Manager is our solution that's positioned here to improve each of their restaurants readiness 
to deal with an active shooter, for instance, uh, employee health status um, through the, uh, the smartphone app that each employee can use, uh, customer complaints in the restaurants, for instance, uh, et cetera. So these are areas that uh, Crisis Manager uh, is, uh, is very helpful, both in preparation, uh, training and exercises, but also during an incident when it happens. Uh, the, uh, the contract negotiation stalled for about 12 months with this customer, a prospect. And uh, the reason they gave was that this was no longer number one priority during the pandemic, uh, which is uh, interesting and uh, uh, because it really could help them, frankly. Uh, so we have tried a number of things to break this logjam, frustrating as it has been. Um, we've tried to re-engage the prospect uh, and re-qualify them um, you know, with questions like, has your business changed uh, during this time? And given your, your priority here, and we've tried to validate the business needs uh, and uh, looked at scenarios to make sure that these are still relevant, um, and which they are, actually. And we also try to update or confirm their business case to make sure that, uh, that this is something that uh, they still want to do and it makes sense financially. Uh, we've also informed them of changes that we have done and made in our business, uh, such as we've completed the next version of our software, 4.0, uh, with, uh, frankly, great new capabilities, uh, ease, ease of use, etc. cetera. Um, and uh, they will likely uh, experience a very quick impact. Our, our most recent customer um, went live 48 hours after they signed the contract, and this is an enterprise, uh, so a cruise, uh, cruise company, actually. And so it's not a simple, just turn it on, type of environment. We've also offered um, a, uh, uh, the opportunity to incentive, basically, if you can bring out your pen and sign, we can give you a discount as well. Um, so anyway, we've, we've tried a number of things and uh, we still have, don't have a contract. Uh, the question I have for, for uh, you guys on, uh, on the call today is, uh, you know, what strategies have worked for you in, uh, during this uh, pandemic hangover, quote unquote, and uh, uh, what has worked essentially in, uh, in your business? Uh, I would be very curious to, to hear input and feedback on that. Yeah, thanks, Idar. So, so gang, you know, questions or experience to share with Idar? Uh, you might have a question about uh, his business challenge. Please bring them forward uh, based on what you heard. Anybody, any questions uh, based on this approach to franchise? Uh, Idar, maybe you could just summarize the challenge. Briefly. Hey, John, I had, I had a question. Oh, yeah, go, Paul. Um, what is the, the role of this, uh, of the buyer on the, on, the, on the prospect side? What is their job? What do they do? Well, it's actually, um, this is the, uh, the holding company for all, the, all of the restaurants we're talking about here. And uh, this goes all the way up to the CEO, actually. And uh, CEO uh, is the main contact person that we've used. It started out, actually, with one of the, uh, the managing directors for one of the countries in Greece, actually. That's how the whole thing got rolling. And then it got rolled up to the, the corporate uh, headquarters. And are, are you, uh, um, when you talked about uh, negotiation and whatnot, are you are dealing specifically with the CEO or 
as a primary contact, or would you say most of the communications has been through the, the at the management level? Yeah, it's uh, it's been at with at the COO level. It's been at the COO level. Yeah. Okay. I'm John notes down here. Yeah, one of the things they were concerned about, just to, to add a little bit of detail, they were concerned about uh, their employees having to deal with a new solution during uh, and absorb that during uh, the pandemic, the, the early days of the pandemic. Uh, and so this, but this is something that can be, it, it's really an hour's worth of training and you, you're up and running. So it's not really that all that difficult, but, but they saw that as an obstacle. Yeah. Any other thoughts uh, or feedback to uh, EDARS? Yeah, my thoughts are, are these people doing well financially? Because what I have noticed in this pandemic, if people are not doing well financially and they're scared, but that other person that's trying to sell them something convinces them that if you buy this or you do business with me, then you won't be in the fear that you're in now and things are going to skyrocket, then that'll motivate them to move forward. So if these people are already doing well and they're comfortable, they may not be motivated. That What I mean is the more money I'm noticing that people have during this pandemic, they're preserving their wealth. If they're not doing well, they'll throw it at all schemes available because they're hurting. That, that's been my experience. Thank you, Ian. That, that's uh, interesting, uh, certainly, and, and I think uh, may have, an, have affected us here, uh, frankly. So one of the things you said earlier, Idar, is that you've been through the process of kind of requalifying the need, but that uh, hasn't really been the issue that uh, they're still delaying. They haven't actually made the commitment. Right, that's right. Any other thoughts, uh, people? I know everybody's going through the same thing. Uh, any thoughts uh, with regards to something that Edar said that might be helpful for his situation? Yeah, uh, this is Gregory Moser. Hi, Edor. nice to see your face. Uh, I'm not on uh, the video, but that's just out of respect for everyone not to have to look at my face. <laughs> But um, it, it is crisis management, so I would ask the question, not so much a statement, in regard, have you tried to, a risk management approach and, and gone through the, the legal counsel? Because it seems to me that it, you're in a, a non-decision mode, right? Yeah. And I'm wondering if you need to kind of shake it up and change the perspective of the problem that they're trying to solve and why it's imminent that there's risk that they need to get ahead of. Have you tried that angle to go through a different door than the CEO and get more of a consensus across the CEO's team from different angles toward the problem? Hi, Greg. Uh, great to hear you. Hear your voice. I haven't talked to you in a long time. Um, you look, you well, look good. <laughs> hey, thank you. <laughs> uh, the uh, I have the uh, Corona beard. Um, yeah. The uh, so. Actually, regarding the, the uh, legal side here, we did get involved with the legal because we had the contract on the table, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, so we were literally negotiating the terms uh, when it all stalled. And uh, so legal was involved, but they were really involved from, from the uh, basically contractual standpoint. 
So, but that's a good point. Uh, trying to re-engage with them on go through that door to see what uh, what if anything that can shake loose here. Good point, and thank you for that. Suggestion. Yeah, yeah. The reason I bring that up is because with my clients as an attorney, risk management is high on the list typically, yeah. um, and it's their job to point out risks that the executive team or the management team may not see. So you need to spell that out, and if you can convert that to either brand or shareholder value or just operational risk and use numbers. Um, it helps to articulate why it's a smart investment now rather than wait. Yeah. And I've, I've that with a couple of, a couple of clients. Thanks Greg. Where they pulled the trigger after they looked at it from a different perspective and from a different seat at the executive table uh, for what it's yeah. worth. Well, thank you, Greg. Thanks, Paul. Uh, before we move on to the group discussion, let's, uh, Edar and I and uh, uh, a couple of others were talking about what else is going on. So I'm asking you guys, go ahead and take a minute uh, to answer these questions. I think that uh, it's uh, pretty interesting to find out what you, the group, are, are facing today and how you're handling that. Meanwhile, if anybody else has other input for Edar while we're taking the poll, now it's a good time. And Edar, feel free to, to comment on these questions as they're relevant to your, to your business. Yeah, uh, when we uh, went through this process, we just uh, also thought about uh, what could give some additional in insight into how, uh, how everybody's getting through this, uh, this period um, and uh, found that these questions hopefully uh, also resonate with, uh, with the group. Right. And so, you know, we're all being uh, owning our own businesses, we're all facing them. So we'll see what uh, the group says uh, here. We've got about half the group. We'll finish that. Any other feedback? Uh, any other IT guys out there uh, and feedback uh, for what EDAR is facing as we close the poll here in a second? I noticed, uh, ah, let's see if she's still here. No, it looks like she's left. Okay. Hey, John, I wanted to piggyback on what Reagan and uh, Gregory said. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so, um, you know, there's this, uh, this particular uh, selling system I subscribe to, it's called the Center uh, Executive uh, uh, Methodology. And really, what they talk about there is that. Um, people buy emotionally and they justify their uh, decisions logically, right? And then they equate that to pain. And, and pain is like basically negative feelings that you get. And that's actually what causes us to make a majority of the purchases that we do. And you know, Reagan talked about motivation and um, Gregory talked about uh, problems. And I think they hit it right on the head. Um, and what's interesting is that on the other side, the other company, Whoever the deal maker, whoever's involved in the decision making process, whether it be the CEO or the managers, they're all going to have a different quote unquote pain or problem that relates to IR's solution. And it's going to be unique. And, you know, there's, there's surface, there's business, which like, you know, the money and the numbers, which is very important. But what is the, the personal pain for each of these individuals? The, as, it, and everyone's going to vary. It's actually going to be everyone. So CEO, you, you don't know what kind of position he's in, right? Like he might, he might be, 
planning a retirement in two years. He wants to go out a star and he doesn't want to have any sort of risk, any problems, right, with that exit strategy. And if you have a good relationship, people will actually tell you that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the management people, they might be fresh. They might be worried about what their boss thinks of them or, you know, uh, maybe they're in for a raise or something. And, you know, this solution here can help them. So the idea is that anyone that's involved in this process, going through each one and figuring out, okay, what is the problem associated to, and how can my product solve them? And then, um, and then confirming that, and then you use that to actually get everything across the finish line in the process. Now, if you don't, then it's extremely hard. You're going to get stuck because, you know, the business problems are important, um, uh, but it's actually not really driving the sale. It's a person on the other right. end. Right. And then, you know, it's just you and me. Right. We wake up one day and we're like, you know what, let's let's gamble today. Let's 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 shake it up. Right. And those are emotions that are driving those decisions. So can we figure out what's important to that CEO uh, right now? The other thing to say is uh, you have some clue if you go back one year and, and figure out why did they even engage with you in the first place? So, hey, why did you even start this process with right. us? Get collect that and then figure out, um, you know, going forward today. What are some problems that they have that you can kind of restart the whole process and get them motivated to work with you? Good. Edar, did you get That's all that? Feedback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was taking some notes as well. So yeah, all right. uh, Thank you. I'm very interested in, the, in all this. Uh, so here's, a, here's the, the poll feedback comes in. Which of these is helping your business to move through the pandemic? Is it the PPP? Only 6% say that. Pivoting to adjacent markets to find new clients? Yes, that's 80%. And then changing the business model, like dining in versus takeout, only 20%. What about is closing the sale taking longer than usual? Well, everybody says pretty much yes. And some say no, about uh, 15% say no. What about uh, sales today versus the pandemic? Well, good news, about 30% is increased. That's today versus before the pandemic. Uh, then we say that uh, then another 22% have increased more than 22%. And then we have about half have said that somewhere between zero and 20% decrease. Uh, and then we've had some that have said, wow, even more. What about pandemic related to the health mandates? As these things go away, will you return to the proven business model that you've had? 20% yes but 40% are saying stay with the adaptive model that you have now. But many are saying, we don't know, or we're gonna keep looking for that. That's about 30%, which is very interesting. Uh, so thank you, thank you very much for that. Well, today's show is brought to you by our underwriters, Porter Hedges, Attorneys at Law, the informed choice for complicated litigation in the energy business, Arion, Full-service project engineering design firm, respected, trusted, highly valued by select energy industry clients. Unique ventures, hybrid technology accelerator with a unique approach to venture capital. Interpoint, protecting what you care about the most, people, profit, brand, and environment, and alliance benefit group, building retirement plans for your business that work. Okay, Edar, what do you say? Let's go ahead and open the floor to get a little more experience from uh, our folks' perspective from their own businesses. Sound like a winner? Edar, are you still there? Well, it could be bad. He's probably I'm muted. He's still muted, sorry. <laughs> sorry <about> that. <laughs> That's good. So what I'll do now 
Yes, I'll go ahead and I'll post uh, the questions just to remind everybody, because if you're like me, you've probably already forgotten. Um, but you can also drop your comments if you don't want to pipe up uh, and discuss this. But fundamentally, guys, this is what EDAR's challenge was. Hey, I've been struggling, decisions are taking longer. Uh, what have you done, right, uh, as the certainty is lingering? Any lessons learned? What strategies have you tried that are working? And well, which ones have you tried that are not working? So with that, I'd like to, to open the floor um, to anybody who's interested in sharing some of their experience and some of the lessons learned that they've had during this time. Okay, Mickey, would you mind uh, sharing a little bit of your experience? Sure, I will. So working in a um, mid-sized oil and gas service or organization, you know, we have about a hundred outside salespeople. And I was talking to some of the sales leaders this, this past week about this. Generally speaking, we think it's taking longer to make a decision. Uh, a lot of companies have restructured and the restructure happened late last year, first quarter, people are shuffled around, they're in new roles. And they're, first of all, for the sales guys, finding out who's in a decision-making role and what that role is now. And then how to position a solution, make sure that you're engaged with the, with the right person. It's, it's taking longer, all right? And the customers are taking longer to make a decision. In fact, some of them, the decision process is more laborious now. They can't seem to get a decision made. So not making a decision wins out where they decide to stay status quo right now. We're gonna wait. We don't have to make a decision right now. Let's let things run like they are at the moment. So we're seeing some of that more so than we have in the past. And, you know, in talking to sales guys, what are you doing to change that? How do you, how do you get around that? Well, for instance, in the parts of the business that are heavily asset-based, where you're renting a piece of equipment or it's a project base, you let the customer know real, real quickly that if they want to get access to these capabilities, to the te technology or to the assets, be it vessels or remote operated vehicles or whatever it is, they need to get the order in, they need to get on the, on the schedule because it's going to fill up, it's, it's going to book quickly. And so sometimes you can use that, not really to pressure them, but help them understand that they need to make a decision because speed is really important in this sales piece, all right? Time kills all deals. Right. And speed is really important. You gotta get the decision made, get things going. And so you, you wanna be as easy to do business with as you can make it easy on the, on the customer to get an order placed, make a decision, be there when they, when they need you, that, that kind of thing. A lot of them fundamentals, a lot of them things you need to do and we have done to be su successful in a sales role. But there are some, some customer behaviors that are a little different today than they were a year ago. Thank you, appreciate that, Mickey. Yeah, maybe to follow on Mickey's point, uh, so Peter Kasai, business professional in the uh, energy industry, business development sales. And one of the things which, you know, whatever you think about MOUs, letters of intent, you know, personally, I think they're not worth as much as the paper they're printed on, uh, but they have a really interesting 
uh, tool in that you can say, hey, look, we've been working with you for a year. We've dedicated a lot of resources to this in order to keep dedicating resources to, you know, working with you, doing some, you know, customer discovery. Uh, you know, we need a letter of intent for management or, you know, however you want to frame that. <clears throat> but the thing that it does to go back to Mickey's point of restructuring who's the real decision maker is that very quickly, it's not the person you're usually talking to that can sign that. They have to go through the, you know, the, the, the labyrinth of decision-making process. And that in and of itself is, is the valuable piece to find out who is the decision maker. And maybe it's not someone you're talking to or aware of. Um, so it's kind of a cool tool and, you know, Hey, maybe, you know, nobody signs it. You find out like, Oh, this, this plan is getting shut down within the year. So let's just move on. Um, so it's a cool tool that like has nothing to do with what's actually on the page. Um, kind of, an, especially at these times where you're navigating new org structures. Thanks, Peter. Good input. Mm -hmm. You know, John, we found that the the 80-20 rule, I'm just going to use that as a as a general reference, makes a whole lot of sense over the last two quarters, the end of last year, first quarter of this year. If you look back and you've got a handful of, of customers where 50, 80 percent of your revenue comes from, you got to treat them differently than everybody else. You got to take care of them, be there for them, be in their face and make sure that uh, you understand their pain points, what their needs are, and you're bringing solutions to them of a better per perspective so that they don't need to go look somewhere else. And you got to, you got to serve them better than you do everybody else. And that's, that's really made a difference for us over the past year. That's good. Hey, uh, Kevin, you're coming from uh, the healthcare industry, I believe. Do you have any, what are you seeing from your perspective? Kevin, I don't know if you're, if you're still there, but, um, or anybody else, I just happened to, I was looking for a different industry perspective if uh, you guys can. Mickey, just a comment while we wait for yeah. that type of response. Uh, I think that your point is uh, is uh, extremely uh, valuable and correct. Um, we have actually seen more business from existing customers that has not tapered off, uh, and in fact, quite uh, quite the opposite. It's been uh, it's been they've needed us more uh, because they realize what we can do for them. So, so I couldn't agree more. Anybody else in terms of uh, lessons learned uh, that are relevant for? <laughs> just trying to you know, stay profitable and speed up the deal-making. Nobody feeling I guess I can say we've, we've owned oil and gas as well and the engineering services consulting side of the fence. We've seen similar, but, but uh, similar to you, Mickey, but it's kind of crossed into from uh, from them not making decisions because of reorganizing. Now they don't want to spend any money. Uh, and uh, when seemingly the revenue stream should be fine. Oil is where it is. Gas is where it is. Uh, volumes are still what they are. But where's the revenue going? Why are they not spending money? Uh, so we're seeing that side of the Yeah, we have seen some clients really come to us, as EDR said, that, uh, that have grown. But some of them or parts of their business are going far more, um, I don't know, bidding to 20 different people and 
you know, there's not much work out there. Some people are dropping the drawers and coming in rock bottom. And uh, we're seeing a lot of that here the last three or four months. Yeah, we, you still see companies and we still have clients where price is king and they let the procurement supply chain people run the, run the business. And, and it's unless you have a very differentiated te technology or product or service offering, it's hard because, I mean, we know the price of oil is up. The revenue streams are back. We should see a marketplace where, where prices are working their, their way up. And yet you see a lot of people trying to fight that and keep them depressed. Yeah, the, the mindset's not back yet. You're exactly right, and that's what we're seeing. So it's no fun to compete on price. No one likes to do that. So uh, That's why I'm saying treat your best customers the best and don't give them a reason to go somewhere else. You know? yeah. Really true. Uh, John, there's one, one additional comment for me. One thing that we actually did end up doing to get some more predictability on, on the sales process was to actually go in. We, we have stayed away from RFP responses but at least those have a process that is driven and they will make a decision at some point downstream. And we have, we have actually done that now. Um, I hate it. I don't like that. But, <laughs> but uh, very often, as was just said, said uh, you know, price then becomes uh, one of the key drivers. And when you can't meet people face to face, even to build the relationship, mm -hmm. that becomes really pretty difficult. Uh, Noah. Real estate, different, a uh, little bit different world, but facing the same things. I mean, what's your version of all this? What's coming to your mind? Um, <clears throat> I mean, we've a lot of, so my firm and I, we work with um, tenants who need office space and industrial space. Um, and so we've kind of seen a spectrum of, uh, of responses to what is, you know, what next steps are going to look like. Um, for the most part, you know, I mean, um, I have a call tomorrow with a group that's looking to take, you know, a full floor, um, get everybody back to work. And I have a call uh, later today with a group that um, is all going to be, you know, they've taken advantage of this from a hiring perspective, and um, they're going to go to all co-working uh, all across the country because now their employee base is all over the country. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the the time frame that people have uh, to make this, I mean, you know, the, the thing that I've always kind of fallen back on is that, you know, leases will always expire, which is great, um, you know, but the, the hustle doesn't change. And, um, uh, you know, finding, you know, and, and figuring out ways to build those relationships with folks, um, just like I believe um, Mickey said um, is, is crucial. Um, but I mean, the, so, I mean, it's, there's no one size fits all from a, from a uh, real estate solution standpoint. And it definitely feels like deals are taking longer to get going and make decisions and, and get things signed up for sure. It's a tough space, <clears throat> tough space to be in. Uh, Mike Moffat or Flora, do you guys have any uh, input or Greg uh, as a CFO, do you, do you have anything else you wanna add to the conversation? From your perspectives, well, this is uh, Gregory again, and um, you know, can I ask Edart? May I ask you a question, just to kind of repurpose the inquiry here? I, I would ask you, what have you tried so far for acceleration? 
over the sales cycle? Well, we have, uh, we tried to, this sales cycle stalled that I gave an example of, but uh, right. in, terms of, in terms of other new, new sales cycles that we have uh, engaged in, uh, we tried to, uh, we've actually been playing on the risks involved and the operational mm -hmm. uh, needs in and around return to, to uh, from COVID, in fact. Um, and so that's been, because everybody has had, they have some story in and around what they've done or what they haven't done and lessons learned. Um, but taking that step to automating that process uh, is, uh, is something that hasn't necessarily gotten a couple of sales, but not really the type of volume that you perhaps would expect actually. Uh, so uh, unless you go, go after the federal government or, or government institutions, which we don't really view as our market, uh, then uh, that hasn't really turned out uh, any different than, uh, than uh, other sales, actually. Do you think it's more of a question of, so when we implement uh, IntraPoint, let's say we do that, is there a lot of heavy lifting with internal resources to make that happen? No, there's not. Uh, we, okay. it's, it's uh, sauce-driven. They don't have to do anything other than uh, attend some training. Yeah, because I'm just trying to go through the objections of why, you know, your, your customers, because not making a decision is a decision, right? And right. Yeah. do they have a view of the trade-offs for the delay? And are those trade-offs significant enough that they can see that if they, if they uh, go ahead and get moving, that there's benefit in doing so? Yeah, I think it's clearly good points, uh, Greg. And I think the... Uh, the uh, point that we have seen is that uh, they've been so swamped dealing with the issues in and around COVID that yeah. they, as one example is a shipping company uh, out of New York, they have 80 ships around the world. And, you know, I can't even get 10 minutes with the, with the C that he's actually a COO also, uh, he mm -hmm. ended up getting COVID himself. So, I mean, they have all kinds of challenges and they're running so fast, they can't even stop to catch their breath to listen to good ideas. So right. I'm getting a meeting with them next week to actually do this, uh, you know, to, to make sure that we can, uh, we can show exactly the benefits they'll get. And, and the trade-off for him is that he'll kill himself in the process because he can't <laughs> reach over everything. Right? Right. It's just craziness. Peter, so, what, um, uh, forgive me if this was mentioned before, but have you looked at um, Zoom info or anything like that? Uh, no, I can't say that we have. Um, so it's a, it's a sales tool that we use. And um, you go onto a website and you, you click on the icon in, in Chrome and um, it gives you the names and the phone numbers of um, people. And, and the latest version even includes their cell phone numbers. So, wow. um, and I've only been using I've only been using this new version for about a week, uh, but it, it'll put you on the money. Um, and uh, hopefully, nobody else is a real estate broker on this call. The <laughs> <laughs> sharing platform here. Yeah, um, damn it! But um, uh, you know, it's not cheap. But I mean, you know, you figure if you if you make a, you know, get a deal out of it. I mean. Now that everybody's out of the office, you know, it's a matter of, you know, finding them. And so, you know, if you can 
So I don't, I don't have as much um, holdback of calling somebody on their cell phone these days. Um, yeah, so I guess. Call them, I won't, but right um, I, got, I got stuff to, that i need to accomplish too yeah no understood so thanks noah uh so edar we are to the fte ask and give what's your ask of the group today here we've got just a few seconds so briefly yeah uh, i think actually we've gotten it uh, john i wanted to hear what uh other people's experience has been and, uh, and good input throughout that process. So I, I, I'm very happy. I have a page full of, of notes as a result of this. Excellent. And what about your give to the group? What, what are you willing to give? So I'm, I'm uh, in risk management, crisis management, and I'm happy to, if you or somebody you know has uh, needs in around that, I'm happy to, uh, to spend a few minutes with you to, uh, to explore and, and uh, find some, some alternative venues and avenues that you can take. Excellent. Thanks for that. So, everybody, how was the discussion and networking today? The FTE post show notes will hit your email later today. So take 30 seconds to go ahead and answer the survey in order to get your copy of everybody's contact information that attended today. You'll also find links to FTE videos, podcasts from previous shows. And of course, FTE belongs to you. It's your community and networking platform. So don't forget to follow up with each other, connect those dots after the meeting. And by the way, if you know somebody working on an innovative next generation idea, technology, business models, we want to share that challenge. Uh, if you had a good experience, share it. Share FTE, build a community with others that you wanna network with. Forward our newsletters, invite your connections to our events. Well, folks, we're out of time. Be sure and join us for our next events, May 18th. It's about bringing employees back to the workplace as COVID-19 restrictions are lifting. Attorney Laura Alans, partner at Porter Hedges, shares her latest on the trends evolving back to office topic. And then June 2nd is a classic roundtable networking session, comparing market trends, leads, and needs. Invite your colleagues who you want to get to know better because we know networking has never been more important for your business. So add it to your calendar. Go right now, sign up, fte.network, invite your friends. So thanks once again to our guest expert, Edar Voldness, and to all of you for making this the smartest 45 minutes of your day. Take care, and we'll hope to see you in two weeks, everybody. Thank you.